0: Welcome aboard the AdoTat Show, where marketing, media, and ad tech converge. Fasten your seatbelts as your host. Hesat Latin steers
1: you through the digital world of advertising trends and marketing innovation. Deserve to win when it matters most. Facing multi-billion dollar bet the company litigation. No problem. That's why we're here. Troutman Amin. LLP is a true legal powerhouse not just a podcast, it's a survival guide for the digital jungle. Today, we're slicing through the buzzwords to talk work-home juggling, keeping your cool in the chaos of clicks and codes, and cracking the secret code of health in the high-speed world of ad tech. First, we got Ted Rubin, the social marketing guru who can sell ice to Swedes, and probably has a hashtag for it too. Ted's the guy who looked at relationships and thought, let's put a return on that. He's been around the digital block starting with Seth Godin and rolling through Yahoo like a boss. Author, speaker, and the man who can network in his sleep. Ted's here to drop some truth bombs about connections in a world where everyone's a username. And next we have Nick Fries, the man who laughed in the face of economic downturns and started Digiday during the recession. He's the proof that in the world of media, size doesn't matter, but guts sure do. Nick's story is like a phoenix rising from the ashes of 2008 financial meltdown, showing us the only crunch worse than credit is a stale croissant. (laughs) And last but not least, let's not forget Lana McGilvray, the returning champion of purpose-driven branding. As co-founder and CEO of Purpose Worldwide, she's not just shaping brands, she's shaping the future. Recognized as one of the top women in PR, Lana is a guru businesses call when they want to be more than just a logo. She's here to tell us how to carve out market positions without losing our soul or our minds. So plug in, tune out the office buzz, and let's get this irreverent, insightful, and possibly caffeine-fueled party started. The adote Show, where our ad tech gets real and the only filter we have is for our coffee. So, Issue 1. The endless grind. Well, first of all, you're you're calling from Connecticut, Nick.
2: Yep, I'm in uh, New Canyon, Connecticut.
1: Yeah, the, the trees gave it away in the background. It was oh, yeah. so
2: obviously Connecticut. Yeah, the deer and the coyote are out there too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Issue one to the panel: The endless grind when tech turns 24 seven. Welcome to the tech industry 24 seven circus, where the clowns are coding, the ringmaster is your relentless email notifications. Is this digital big top the show that never stops work life balance? Is it, is our industry's constant connectivity culture breeding innovation or incubating insanity? First, I'll go to Nick, since you're obviously remote
2: yeah so i mean the work-life balance um is obviously really important for us at digiday media uh in the early days there was no such thing as work-life balance we didn't even think about that you know it was all about you know how did we how would we survive how would we grow you know we didn't even think about you know the outlook to you know to build what we have today we just went and did it so um you know but today it's very different for us uh, work life really important to us at Digiday Media, uh, so much so that we talk about it, we think about it uh, on a regular basis. And one of the things that we did, uh, and we, we did it, we started last year and it really well, is we went to a four and a half day work week. So we were doing, you know, half day Fridays in the summers every single year, and then we just thought to ourselves, look, we know what people's rhythms are and what their cycles are. And when they get to Friday afternoon, they're absolutely burnt out, you know, and, and nobody wants to sit at their desk, you know, at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock on a Friday. Obviously, uh, you know, some people do, and, um, but it's tired. So we just figured we'd, we'd shorten the work week, and, you know, that's worked out really well for us. That's one of the things that we've done at do. Tag,
1: you're calling from your home? I am calling from my home it'll be short. Sure. So how do you keep the work-life balance? You talk about it a lot, I think, in your speeches and your your uh, appearances.
0: You know, I, I first of all, I think, especially for the whole demographic of who's on this call, I think a lot of it's different for us necessarily than people just starting out or, you know, bigger companies. Um, you know, a lot of it is up to us individually, and then a lot of it is up to us as leaders to, um, make allowances or to encourage people that work for us to, to find those things. It, it, look covid kind of changed things all these technologies were there nobody was willing to use them we got forced to use them people realized that people people could work remotely so back in the day when i was fighting to keep my kids in my life i was luckily the ceo of a company elf cosmetics and i could make believe i was going somewhere when i was actually going to court or i was going to pick up my daughters when it wasn't acceptable at the time like nick mentioned you know back in the day you know we're talking like 2008 which isn't even that far back for guys like me um But I just want to say because I don't want to take up too much time with this obviously I want to keep this moving around But I think there's two sides to this equation because I think in some ways we've gone too far with the make your own time work-life balance where I Find a lot of the young people coming into some of the companies that I work with now I don't have I'm not directly managing anybody anymore, so I can't speak to that really directly It's more of what I'm viewing is that everybody thinks that they don't have to be answerable as much as they used to be or they don't have to come into the office if a company wants you in two or three days a week or god forbid you stay in the office past five o'clock where you know there's also different times of your work life career whether you you're single still you don't have a family yet you know other considerations come in over time also just as you're, you're maturing as a worker you're gaining your legs it's 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 the same as you know, the guys first joining the NFL team have to work a lot harder than the guys that already know the playbook and have been there for a while. So I think that during this conversation, I'd like to look at both of these sides that number one is like enough of this, you know, if you're not working 20 hours a day, you're not working hard, or, you know, the, the old what what did Gary Vaynerchuk used to say, I could sleep when I die, Or you know, come on, I mean, i y you, you're making workers less productive. They need to do things for themselves, they need to keep physically fit, they need to worry about their health. But on the other hand, there still is a value to hard work and being available to people when need be, just not this twenty four seven always on thing.
1: Yeah, I think there's a bell curve which shows you, you reach a certain high and then if you go you hit you work too much, it just it just the productivity just crashes. Um I think you're the only you're the only person actually in an office today, right?
3: Yeah, but I have this work-life balance too. I happen, um, Nick knows him, but I happen to be in my husband's office. So I'm co-locating with Pentagram today. I think I told you because I usually office these days out of my home office post-pandemic, gave up the office uh, in 2019 when we started the company and didn't realize we would be office-less. So (laughs) um, for some work-life balance reasons and a sick dog I came into the office so you didn't have to hear the 90-pound laugh. Uh, But I think the issue that we're discussing is one that's really near and dear to my heart. I started my career in the mid-90s at a global ad agency, I had no work-life balance whatsoever. I worked 24-7, had a passport, so pre-digital days I was the one they were going to put on the plane and to send the NTSC tape over to L'Oreal, whoever the client was overseas. Uh, And I kind of loved it actually back then because it was a time to show off and prove your worth. Um, at the same time now, I'm nearly 50. I'm the mom of a 16 year old. We have two sons and some grandkids through my marriage. And the most important thing to me is my family and the team that we're raising at yeah. purpose. And retention of our team and their mental health is so important to me. And one thing that I think about all the time <laughs> is really helping people forge a life balance that works for them. And sometimes to Ted's point, going the extra mile, but I we really try to spark it when they're going going to enjoy it. I had the really um, good fortune of going to the Nobel Prize Summit uh, this year with a young woman that worked for the J-Post before she left Israel, and she really loves the world. And she got to do a launch with me at Nobel Prize Summit, and we worked 24-7 for four days. But I think it was one of the best times of her career journey so far, and, and same with me. So. I think we need to look at it from all angles. It's a different time than it was 20 years ago, and, and we need to do things well for all of us.
2: Yeah, I think yeah. A lot of good point. It is so different today than it was 20 years ago. I mean, 20 years ago, the thing as work-life balance. Had, that wasn't even a thing. It wasn't a word we threw around at the office. We just got up at 5 in the morning, got in the office by 7, you know, we're working until 7 or 8 at night. If you were a media planner, you were doing sometimes media plans, 24 hours straight you weren't even going home and you know um, but I think we've, we've come a long way from then and I, I don't think that was probably the right way to work um, you know in the end it really is about performance and as you point out pace there is a bell curve like you get to the point where it's just diminishing returns and you're not going to get the performance from your team or from your people or they're going to be burned out or they're gonna look for uh, a new job and if you've got talented people you know Want them to perform at their best, and you want them to be engaged, uh, and you want them to be motivated. And so, um, uh, for me, I'm happy that work balance is a thing, and it is about you know point of view and perspective and where you are. I mean, so for example, my work life balance, my work is integrated fully with my life. So I'll work on the weekends, but I don't mind. You know, it's. Digiday Media, I I own the business, so uh, I never turn off. If I'm on vacation, I still work because I enjoy it and I love it. But, you know, if you've got a junior reporter that's come in, you know, they don't they don't want to be reporting on the weekend. They want to they want the weekends for themselves. Um, So anyway, um, you know, that's just sort of my my take on it.
0: I I think I think a lot has changed because of the available technology like Nick, when you and I were younger, it was you, you, you. you kind of have to stay in the office because once you left, it was so hard to it wasn't even email. I mean, like it was so hard to communicate with people. But there's two sides, two sides to that coin. On the one hand, we have these tools that allow us to be remote and to run out to pick up the kids or go to a game and still stay connected and then do our work after or work later at night. But it also makes a lot of us, either ourselves, we put the pressure on, so we're always on and we think we you know, always have to answer. Like I like to say, I always tell it when I'm speaking to people is, be careful what you build as your personal brand. Like part of my personal brand is being responsive. If you reach out to me, you're going to hear right back from me. Well, there's a lot of pressure that goes with that because you turn off and all of a sudden you've built that brand and people like, I start getting literally text going, you okay, what's going on? We haven't heard back from you in two hours, like seriously. So we, we kind of build that on ourselves. And then we also, once you, you make yourself represented that way. Your company expects it of you, your friends expect it of you. And I think a lot of it is us setting those expectations, using the technology to give us the freedom, but at the same time, learning that you don't have to have it on all the time i mean i'm it's and and it's hard i mean i'm 66 years old and i am trying desperately to take this thing and put it aside at certain points of the day and i'm not having a lot of success with it nick i mean you know we we communicate a lot through social like we like each other's posts we things, and it's like 24 7 i know i can get a like from you at two o'clock in the morning it's the
1: connectivity culture the catalyst for this discussion? I, I, you, you mentioned that you felt, Mick, uh, that everyone was working all the time two, 20 years ago, and this, and this is not this is a huge shade, but maybe it is a connectivity culture that requires us to have a work-life balance because we can't go home. We have to bring work with us. Everyone has a phone. Everyone's one's expected to have a phone. I've seen job posting where it says you must have a phone.
0: I think I think a lot of it also is just that we we've got to we've got to train ourselves differently. You know, it, it's it, it, it it's we become so reactive to these things that it's hard to be disconnected. And we think we're being more I mean, I definitely if you asked me, and I was just answering you quickly without giving it real thought, am I more efficient because I multitask? I'd say absolutely. But I also have learned. That I'm not, that I'm missing things, that I'm not answering quite the way I want, that I make more mistakes that I have to back up on because I'm doing three things at once. Or I'm sure you guys have all experienced this because I just did a lot of it today was all those emails I never responded to three months ago. And I thought I did. Like I thought Lena never got back to me, but you know, or, or but then I realized I never sent the email because I thought I did because I got a ping on my phone and I moved on to something else and I just never got back there. And there was a long time where I thought it was because I was aging, but then I see 22-year-olds having the same problem. It makes me feel a little better. So moving on to the home office, obviously we're bringing that up since
1: three of us were in a home office. It is, 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 it's not all pajamas and freedom, let's make that clear. Is it the Trojan horse of our world? Is, it, is this a way for workers to sneak in extra hours and make sure that the living room is a new battleground for our work-life balance. Is this actually a blessing that we that, that we are working
0: twenty-four-seven? I think like everything else, it's all in how you use it. I mean, uh, some people, you know, I mean, for a lot of people, it's become incredible. You can be a part of your kids' lives. You can go to things. You can put in your hours when you need to put in your hours, and hopefully, you work for a company that looks at results, not at at hours clocked. Um, there are a lot of companies that don't, you know, but the ones that do, I think they're actually getting more out of their employees because, you know, there's so much time wasted when it comes to commuting or getting to offices, even if that office is 20 minutes away. I mean, think about it. You still, you gotta get, you gotta get showered, you gotta get dressed, you get in the car, you pick up a cup of coffee, you get there, you walk in, you go to the coffee room, you get settled, you talk to four people on your way in, and now your commute has actually become an hour and a half. Whereas if you're at home, you could have gotten your kids lunch ready, you could have gotten them on the bus, or you could have taken them to school and had the same time done. So I think a lot of it, like everything else, is how we use it. And I think one of the things that big companies especially aren't doing is they're not taking the time to help their people learn how to do those things, especially younger people and new employees on how to multitask or how to work from home and do it efficiently and get more out of it instead of less out of it. My two
1: cents. Sorry. A survey from Blind says that 57% of workers say that they're cozying up to burnout. That's a serious issue. Isn't that one of the reasons we have burnout? Is this 24-7 on that we're expected to always have our phone on?
2: We're always expected to have our email ready? Well, I think it's 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 part of your culture, right? If you've got that um, grind it out culture, um, you know, damn the torpedoes culture, you've got to always be... <laughs> Um, you know, whether you've got that highly driven, uh, a type CEO or executive team that just does not let off the gas, that's going to, you know, that's going to trickle through your culture. It was like, you know, as Ted pointed out, you know, we used to go to the office because that's where we would connect that people were. If our bosses were still sitting in their office, we felt pressure to stay there and to sit there. Um, but if you have a boss who's going home at 530 or tells you to, you know, get back to your family, that's that's built in the culture. So, you know, the way that we see things is we want our team, um, you know, to to have a balance with their work and then their home life. And part of the challenge that you're bringing up here is that, you know, when you're working from home, you are always on. You're always uh, available. Always pick up uh, your device, your computer. Um, you know you're expected to respond, but you know we've had uh, people tell us through surveys that they don't want Slack messages after five o'clock. You know they have emails going out after hours, and if you feel that way, you know what we respect you, and you know we it's noted uh, in the way that you like to communicate, and you know you have to um, you, you have to treat people differently these days. It just is a different world we live in. And I think, you know, in some ways, it's much better, um, because I think for our team, it feels like we're getting more out of people. um, And that was one of the reasons we put in the four and a half day work week, we may move to a four day work week, because you can only squeeze out so much performance um, from people during a week, you know, so
3: that's our take. I'm from my relatives are all from Europe and overseas. And so this American culture that we've I'll live through is, you know, my Australian relatives are here for three weeks with me and they're not even thinking anything of taking those three weeks off. It's it's a very American thing in some ways. I remember when Marissa Meyer was forcing everybody to go to the office way before COVID. And I had just moved out of New York where I was taking the Metro North into the city to Ted and Nick's Point and wasting so much time on the train half the time and thought, why is she doing that in California? where people are going to be spending so much time if they're commute and so many of the people that work for her are women and families, and they're going to be making these trade-offs that we saw people make um, during the pandemic when we lost a lot of women in the workplace. Just doesn't seem very rational. Uh, I know for us, at least, I mean, we've been competing for talent, so we've had to talk about what work-life balance is going to be well before the team members come in and accept roles with us. And then again, on the retention side, I'm learning a lot from the Gen Z's and Millennials that work for, for us, quite honestly. I, I like to work and it's my hobby as well. Uh, so they remind me sometimes when I'm showing up on a Zoom and I look too tired or maybe you know, there was an edit that they caught uh, because I was working too late. and it
0: was look great pre- today.
3: <laughs> Thank you. I slept well uh, rare right with uh, in in any case. Um yeah, it's uh, I, I won't go beyond that. That's that's all I had to contribute on
0: that. You side. know, I, I think it was really important something that Nick just said. Um and just to reiterate on, I just wrote a blog post about it that communicate with people the way they want to be communicated with, especially if you're a salesman or a parent like I learned this as a divorced dad communicating with trying to reach out to my daughters and I'm sure you've all gone through this with your kids you send you call because we want to hear their voice because we're parents and we're desperate to hear their voice and you get a text back that says what with an exclamation point and and that's their way of saying don't call me I'm not going to pick up the phone i'm available and you know I learned that from them and I take it to business, and I think Nick just took it to the next level that it's not just about people you're trying to sell, it's about your employees. Learn what's, what's best for them. I think we're in a really new time. I mean, it has not been a long time that so many people have been working remotely and that this technology has been available, and I think companies have to start building their apparatus around that whether it's training of the executives who are leading these people or of the people that are being led to again i love nick's point is how do you want to be communicated with what's your best way i mean i work with companies that all want me on their slack channel and i'm like i'm not doing it like you want me you know it's in my contract i even i've started putting it in my agreements you got to text or email me or call me i'm not joining another slack channel because i just don't have the bandwidth for it so i think that nick takes it to a great level i'd love to see companies as that's part of the initiation that's part of coming into a company what's the best way to communicate with you are you happy working weekends would you rather not work weekends do you want to get communications all the time do you not but speaking I'm
1: of gen x how, how would gen x yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Lana.
3: I was just gonna say we negotiated these things in the past with total compensation packages when we were gonna get sabbaticals in the pre-COVID world and we're just you right. know, it's new it's new language mm. that we're using, but it is about the same things and what our values and ideals we're right now we're doing the opposite, where because we didn't establish an office because we opened up during COVID, we are actually giving the employees the options to go into offices mm. because a lot of them have never done that before and they were desperately mm. lonely when they started working and they want to interact with others. So we're giving them the opposite experience. Yeah,
1: I just recorded a podcast, which Sean Black of Daily Motion mentioned that his son has his first job, his first um, internship, but it's remote. And he's worried that his son will never learn how to work in an office, that he's just going to have remote and that the actual experience of working in office, having your boss there, and having someone actually supervising and be a mentor will never happen. How, how so that, that age group, the Gen X, you mentioned it before, how does Gen X communicate with people more our age, or a bit more senior, that they actually want that balance. So they don't want the, the boundaries between life, uh, their personal life and work blurred that much. Because I've, I've we've, we've all seen recently the postings of some founder who writes, you have to work 120 hours, <laughs> you have no personal life, you may not be married. You cannot have a girlfriend or boyfriend.
3: He got a very specific <laughs> demographic when he made that change. <laughs>
2: yeah. I think bring up a really uh, interesting point, uh did Sean, is that we, we have people that we onboard uh, remotely, and we, we office we have a we you know we have a we work in New York, mm. um, but we used to have uh, before COVID hit. Uh, you know, we had uh, an office at One Liberty down in Fidei, and we had 110 people in that office. That's where we went every single day. We had something that was called WFH, and it was work from here. We didn't have work from home. And people were really upset about that. They didn't understand, why don't you have a work from home uh, policy? And I would always say, we're a media company, we need to collaborate, we need to see each other. know, we need to communicate, we need to work together on whether it's our journalism or marketing or, you know, any creative process, you know, you have to be together. And so that was my short sightedness, our short sightedness that we thought everybody had to be together. And then when COVID hit, it just completely blew that to smithereens. (laughs) Uh, And I was scratching my head saying to myself, how the heck am I going to run a media company with four different brands and a content marketing agency built into it with people you know 150 people all over the country just you know completely because people moved you know they didn't they didn't stay in new york more
3: I, I was one of your advertisers back in the day back when i was uh back in the early days and it's so funny that you said that because i didn't even think of working from home i remember the the flight attendants asking me when i was trying to split the cmo role between austin and new york to stop flying pregnant at eight and a half <laughs> back and forth
2: to the office i know it's just amazing and so now we're in this world where it does work and um uh people do like to have the balance of not commuting you know two hours a day or three hours a day or flying from austin to new york to you know to go see their executive team or whatever Um, but the problem is is that you're getting these young people who uh are joining companies that are working alone in their studio apartment or one bedroom Mm -hmm. apartment and they're alone. And we've had challenges with that. We've had certain reporters who just, you know, couldn't deal with it. They couldn't deal with the isolation or working alone. So we try and do a lot of in-person gatherings. Uh, we do company events. Uh, we do lunches. Uh, you know, some of these are using Zoom and trying to keep people connected, but it is not easy. And um. You know, I think for us, we will definitely get back to having an office, but we will never force people to go to the office. We only want people to go to the office if they want to, if they want to connect, if they want to collaborate. I I will never say to our team, we've got three days a week. You have to be there. You're going to be there Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and that's it. I mean, I just can't even imagine doing that.
3: Nick, I commend you because one of his all-star reporters, Tim Peterson, created a digital twin. (laughs) it goes to fight
1: loneliness but i love his twin so i you nick you 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 touched upon this briefly were there people that just couldn't handle it and they had to quit they couldn't handle the change they're just like i i have to have 50 people around us i can't work where some of the people are remote i can't have these little boxes you know as mentioned this is like hollywood squares i mean we're all (laughs) in a little box all the time and is that is that itself even healthy is that having these back-to-back Zoom calls all the time? I'm told I need to jump on this call. I need to jump on that call. I mean, I used to, you know, I used to drive the fifty blocks, you know, down Madison Avenue, and have mm-hmm. my 30, 40 minutes in the cab. Now mm-hmm. I'm expecting to have five Zoom calls a day.
0: You know, know what I see changing? Look, I say to a lot of people, a lot of times, just call me. Like, don't send me a Zoom link. Don't send me another link. I'm going to be out walking. I'm doing something else. I'm driving. I don't want I don't need to see you. You know, I mean, and it's become almost everybody says we'll do a zoom. And I've even had some pushback on that until recently. And all of a sudden, now after the new year, I've had my first two communications, where someone I reached back to said to me, what's your preference? You know, do you do you prefer Google meet? Do you prefer zoom? Or, you know, do you just want the phone call? And I'm able to say just call Or what I usually do, because I just find Google Meet very easy, because you could, doing a call is just as easy as doing the video. Then I'll say just set it up as a Google Meet. And if I if I keep, don't want to do the video or I can't, we'll just talk. But I think that is something that needs to change. I'm tired of all these, you know, the, these in person things and people asking me about my background and where are you and what are you doing. Like sometimes these calls are ten minute calls and they want to jump on a Zoom and I just need to get some information across and move on
2: right yeah phone calls is always a good way to communicate I, I use phone calls uh for our executive team we have an executive team meeting uh every monday we get together we you know we check in with one another but then my one on ones are all done by phone because i right. personally that i can think more clearly when I'm on a phone call rather than than a zoom cuz right. so i'm not anything but to, to, to go back to one of your questions Pesach is uh, you know how has our team responded uh, to the full remote work environment and um, you know some some people have had a challenge and they've been very vocal about it I mean we've had some of our reporters just you know openly talk about how stressful it is on social media and they say look you know I'm so used to working in office this is really difficult and so when we see that you know we try and um, you know, we, we try and work with them we have uh, we have days where uh, um, it's a uh, desk pass. I don't know if you've heard of desk pass, but desk pass you can, you know, rent bigger office spaces and you can mm. get teams together for a day. So we, we try and do that. But you know, out of all our folks, I think it's only been like one or two people who just really couldn't take it anymore and um you know, decided to to move on. But you know, to go back to young people coming into an organization that's fully remote, it is definitely a challenge and it's a it's a new challenge that, that we're dealing with now and Ultimately, we'll have to figure out a, a better balance than being fully remote. Do
1: you think know, there'll be I, a, 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 a time in the future where people's resume
2: will literally say, "I can
1: only work remote"? <laughs> but you'll get those. will be like, "This, I'm only a remote worker."
3: Option right now, in a lot of like when you're searching or when you're hiring, it's one of the listings. Do you, I, the
0: of I think a lot of that goes with buyer's market or seller's market. You know, when it's a buyer's market, it's it's. It's up to the employer that makes the rules. When, when employment is short or people aren't available, it goes the other way. It's just like real, I mean, just like a real estate market. I mean, there's ups and downs in that. But I also see another perspective. I hear from people and men and women both who are tired of walking, working at home with their spouse, with their spouse or the significant other, and they're desperate for a place to go. And what a lot of them do is they either they, they, legitimately say hey i gotta get out i'm gonna go work at starbucks or a lot of them again both sides will make up oh i've got a meeting at starbucks or i've got to go here because they've just got to get out of the house because it's hard to work in the same place with somebody else all the time when it's not someone you're working with or someone that you're living with 24 7. i'm stunned i see a stunned face in you there <laughs> but i'm hearing that a lot i don't know about you guys
3: remember <laughs> so
1: so what what are what are some key strategies for mental health? Uh, we've talked about it. Um, I know for you, Nick, you, when you started your company and I wouldn't bring this up if it wasn't in your bio. Uh, I know it was a difficult time for you. How did you manage that? How did you manage going through personal uh, a personal? Um, sorry, I can't think of the word, but you know, through your own uh, struggles, personal struggle and starting a company like how did you stay? Same.
2: <laughs> I don't think I was to be honest with you. Um it was uh it was a lot of pressure, but for, for me I was so clear in what I wanted to create uh with, with Digiday. Um and I was so focused and um I think there was just so much uh pressure to survive, you know, each day, each month that uh I just had no other choice. And I didn't have a plan B. I only had plan A. So uh, I, I was not going to uh, give up on that plan. And so, uh, yeah, there were a lot of sleepless nights. Uh, there were uh, a lot of times where the stress was just uh, overwhelming, but I just kept going. And that was the thing is that you just, no matter how hard it is, you just have to keep going, You know, no matter how if things are falling apart. If it looks like, you know, you're not going to be able to make payroll. You don't know where the next check is coming from um you know it seems like the walls are just crumbling down you just have to keep going and so for me it was always just you know just making forward progress, no matter how far i got knocked back so but i i don't know i think some people um can handle the pressure and stress and um for some reason i was able to to deal with all that but some people are more fragile and um, they're very vocal about it and you you have to listen to them and and you have to take time and you have to check in with people and we do that a lot I mean, we have weekly check-ins with uh, all leaders have you know either weekly or multiple times a week to check in with their team members and see how they're doing. We do regular surveys uh, to get feedback on how everyone's doing and and we make decisions based on that feedback you know I don't want people to feel the same, uh, pressure, uh, or stress or anxiety that I had, you know, building this, um, you know, I want them to be free of a lot of that. Be able to perform okay. level. Yeah. So do
1: the that. new technologies make that easier, I mean, right? Are, are the technologies like Slack and then having virtual assistants and then having zoom and stuff like make it easier to actually have a family. Everyone here, I think has, has kids. Mm-hmm. Some of them are more grown than others but everyone here has kids. So do you think this technology has made it better to be parents, made it easier to be parents?
0: i think it's made it a lot harder to be parents it's made it easier on us to be parents as far as our ability to connect but it's been difficult because of all the access that our kids have or you know and i i had i mean i think all of us our kids are a little bit older so we're not experiencing what's happening right now but as soon as those things started happening like i'm just thankful that my daughters are older and they're not you know on all these platforms at this point they didn't really get onto them until they were in their teens because they didn't exist um, but i you know it, it, i think look a lot of it is goes back to i think what, what i'm hearing from nick and 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 lana and things that we're doing in companies is uh, supplying tools for people to figure these things out like figure out how do you deal with stress i mean i i think a lot of us do it naturally or you know we, we all have different methods some people go out for a hard run some people it's multiple things i mean like i i found for years even today social media helps me a lot because i post more for myself than for anybody else so it gives me this ability no matter what i'm thinking or what i'm feeling inside if i watch a, i was going to i'm ai think a lot of you guys know i've had struggles with my kids and and being an alienated dad and i'll be watching a show like new amsterdam that i i would i was able to get online and say, I'm sitting alone in my, in my house, but I'm able to say to my community, like, I'm really enjoying this show because it's allowing me, me to be sad for someone else and allow my sadness out in a different way. And I was able to share that where I could get immediate feedback you know or immediate people supporting me or and then again because i control my social very carefully i can interact with the ones who will give me what i needed and ignore the ones that might be giving me what i don't what i don't want to hear and 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 also i think what's great about these new technologies and allowing to be remote is if i need to go out for a swim or for a run or a workout, I can do it easily. I do it a lot of times while I'm on calls um exercising or working out or just dropping down and doing a few push-ups because I need to relieve some stress you know in, in something like that and I think that we need to I don't think any of us really got that other than from specific mentors back in the day um and and we learn to seek out those mentors whereas now i think companies have an opportunity to help train their people that way like nick was talking about onboarding and having weekly talks with employees to hear better things but not only to hear from them what they need but to share with them some of the other successes people have had in dealing with those things and i think we just gotta you know think about people you know, and then try to steal them away from these mentors like an Elon Musk that claims he works 120 hours a week or whatever his bullshit is that I don't want to hear anymore.
3: Well, we want Dude, healthy you, employees too, and he's not. I mean, you know, and I obsessed about the book actually, and went to see Walter Isaacson talk about it not long ago. But I mean, if you look at him, he's not the picture of mental health, and
0: if, no, you, look clearly. At,
3: if you look at the relationships that he has, and we don't want those for our teams, because we didn't want it for themselves. And when we worked 24 um, seven, we've all had colleagues that have gone through mental health experiences, suicides in the industry, divorces, so many things. And we don't want, I mean, if you are if you made it to our age and you're still in the industry, you don't want to repeat the bad history. I mean, we want teams that are really thriving and, and doing great uh, and really on. And none of those things work for any of us
0: and yeah. i think we i think we, i think we have to champion building relationships because like you know again with all these remote people some of them aren't and you know for me it's my friendships that have really gotten me through most of the hardest times
2: and they're in a so that they can continue to grow um you know like we we didn't have that when, when i was coming up in the media industry it was just you just get in and you perform and that's it you know you weren't treated well um you you had good bosses you had bad bosses you had toxic but you know in our organization we we just don't want if, if you're a toxic person you're just not going to wait like it. It's just you're you're gonna get you're gonna go um we we want people that care about others and that um want to support others that will that will offer up a hand if they're not feeling great and and support them so uh, that's the kind of company that we want to build, and I can't imagine working for Twitter. I couldn't imagine working for, you know, bosses, you know, like, like an Elon Musk, who's just so incredibly toxic. Um, you know, that's just not, and look, okay, well, I'll never be as rich as he is or, you know, we'll never be as big as Tesla or Twitter, but I don't care about that. You know, I just want to feel good about the company people uh, that I'm that I'm working with and, you know, creating.
1: I think it's important
3: to monetarily.
1: <laughs> Elon Musk does not have a relationship with his kids. I mean, he's famously known that one of his kids, some of his kids, hate him, actually, you know, just downright hate him. And I think that's very important. He has all the money in the world and claims he loves his children, but his children come out of and have, have actually been his biggest detractors. Um, so, what, what good is having all that money when you can't even share it with your family? I want to say something. I, okay. Go ahead. I, just so I, had kid, I had my first kid and my first kid in nineteen ninety seven and as me and a lot of were talking about before, she's entering harvard medical school and and, and for me that's a, I don't know if I had the support my first my first career in this industry was with was CyberIps. I don't know if you remember cyberips they represented Advertising.com, which was TechnoSurf at the time and that was my first career I don't know if they gave me the support to have a child at that time. I was I was really required to work 24-7, always be on, always be in the office, or always work, and that was already in 1997. I, I feel like maybe the, like now my life would have been completely different. I would have spent more time with my kids. I would have been there more for my children.
0: But it was also Funny, a different mind. I was just going to say it was a different mindset then. A lot of us wanted to do that. We felt that was, you know, like, oh my God, I work around the clock. And it, it was an ego kind of a thing because it was because of the environment and how it was accepted, you know, and things like that. And, and it was something that we were, again, we were proud of because we didn't know better. And just like we didn't know about how easily we could work remote before COVID, you know, you have these new realizations and then things change. I was also 23 at the
1: time. I think there's a lot of difference. Now I'm almost 50. I don't know if I can work 24-7. I don't know if I physically well, we all can do, do it. That.
0: Come on. I, I bet you, Lana. I bet you do the same thing as I do. You say, how did I get on the train every day? Like, oh my God, like my, my alarm would go off at 6 a.m. There was no time to make coffee. I'd like jump in the shower, get in the car. Have to If I didn't get to the train station, by a certain point, there wouldn't be any parking spots left. You know, well, jump on for, the train, get like into miles the-
3: Before you even got on the train.
0: <laughs> like, yeah. And, and then subway to the office or walk if it thank god you were close enough that you could do that I mean I can't imagine doing that now every day but I think part of that is also age and like you said we're getting to a point of our lives where a 23 year old could do that <laughs>
3: I still have to jump on a 5 a.m. plane to Vegas
0: tomorrow. <laughs> well, yes, you no, know, but planes are a little different. It's not. It's not the daily uh, train. I, I,
3: I hear you. I, I, I like the choice now. I, I really enjoy, and I am glad that the teams have the choice. I think it's it's great. We, and actually, on big companies too, I was really really proud. Paul DRC was um, CMO of. Indeed, he's now at Miro, same street actually on South Congress, but they were one of the first offices globally to close down during the pandemic in those offices, just like in New York. And um, for a company like that, just to say, oh, my goodness, we're going to close these down for the long term, uh, you know, with the rents and everything like that, I really commend them. It was was something big. Autodesk came out. I did an interview with the, uh, I think it was the not the current CMO, but the last CMO. Of Autodesk and their president came out. I don't know. There was no vaccines and told everybody on a team meeting that nobody would lose a job um, for you know Rough. a year or two. How they had the foresight to do it, but there were some incredible things that happened with workforces at a global scale. And uh, I just, it's it's amazing to watch people make those decisions across such large companies. It's really inspiring.
2: Yeah, I think Ted, what's your motto? It's uh, be good to people.
0: Be good to people i mean yeah. it's not that it's not that hard and, and it makes you feel better
2: yeah and and you know everybody uh you know what being good to someone is it's different for for everybody you know and um, <laughs> you just have to find out you know what is good for each one of your team members and you just have to respond and and plan around that and um That's what I look at in terms of uh, work life balance and, and mental health for your for your team and people inside your organization is just you have to be good to them.
0: You know, and every I, I just want to make a statement for whoever's listening to this and please guys jump in if, I, if I'm representing us incorrectly. But I just want to make sure everyone understands we're not saying everyone has to be perfectly happy and it, it, that everything's unicorns and rainbows and you don't have to work hard and we're going to support you and you're going to get love and everywhere you go and no one's ever going to tell you you did a bad job. That's not what we're saying here. You know, we, we we there's still a place for hard work and diligence and those who do better work get promoted quicker than those who don't, et cetera, et cetera. But there's ways to do it better and like Nick said be good to people and do the right thing and and combine another line of mine Nick that you know is is the or the hashtag that Pesach, uh, uh talked about in the intro is no let up so no let up in life doesn't mean that there's no that that means you have to work 24/7 it means there's no let up in in work in t- looking out for your family and looking out for yourself in in helping others in all these other things but you can do it in a way that's better for you and better for them
1: Amen. What
0: are some tools
1: that you find that are help, help you guys with a, a proper life work balance?
0: Well, I think For a example, lot of the things are...
1: have, some of the companies have no email weekdays, weekends. Some of the companies have um, some of the examples. Well, I have, think yeah. you're
0: talking more more policies than are you talking tools or policies? There's two different
1: Either. things. Like other tools that you use or policies that you may have in your own life while companies have the no email weekends, is that something yourself you do? Or is there well, any policies uh, that you, I'll, you like, you tell yourself, I'm gonna put my phone down
2: Yeah. So two hours a day? We've got a few things that we do at Digiday Media. Uh, one is they're actually called work-life days. <laughs> and so we give people just random days off. Um, we let them go, be with nice. their family, friends, go do something fun. And, and you know, we plan that out for, for the year and we make announcements. We. We close the office down between um, you know Christmas and New Year's, and there's you know just uh, we still love that. Show. Give people just that time because nobody wants to work during that time anyway. You know we do the four and a half day work week. Um, we also do volunteer days, so if you want to go out and volunteer and give to your community, you get that day off and you can and you can go out and do that. But I think you know one of the things that Ted said, which I think is really important, is that we're not here to kumbaya everybody and make everybody. All the time because part of being good to people is to challenge them and yeah. to help grow and to motivate them and to make them you know better at their jobs or you know at their skill whether it's you know being a journalist and you know making them going back go back and get more sources and and you know keep digging and keep working harder and that may not feel good at the time but that is being good to our, you know, a person on your team. And so it is always a balance of giving people the time to go reset, but when they come back, helping them be the best versions of themselves.
3: Nick said the same thing, team, and I, I was on multiple sports teams and I just love teams so much. And so we also have, we give the same holiday policy and have unlimited vacation. We do a lot of just get togethers, just coffee breaks, the same way that you had office hours. But we also do things like baton passes just to make sure everything's getting covered and just to remind everybody that when you're off, somebody else is holding the baton for you and somebody else is working more when you're out. And so it, it's just a, a reminder that it is a team and and that we're linked together and we share a purpose and so and we count on each other. And so just teaching that trust and camaraderie and you know, I know, exact, not exactly, but I, I like to know what my team members love is hobbies and sports and how like they would like to spend their free time. And are they a foodie or something else? And we're reminded of that when we're, you know, it's not just bonuses, it's some soft things, too, that remind us of one another as people.
0: And I'm in a different position, so i'm I don't run a company it's it's really just me and then people I work with, but I try to Whenever, especially young people, when I work with them, I try to talk to them about remembering to use people's names, remembering to write something nice, whether it's in an email, not just a quick answer. Of course, not as you go in every one, but use someone's name, recognize them. Go to go to look people on the eye digitally. Go to their LinkedIn page, go to their Facebook page, know something about what they did for the weekend, or or have the like, ask them. People love to be asked questions. I mean, you know, what did you do this weekend? And and then also. Be comfortable with if they don't want to do that, be self-aware that they don't want to answer that question so they move on quickly. Or And for myself, like I, I also try to encourage people to take baby steps. All of us that try to do too big, too much at once, you know, it's New Year's and I'm going to lose 50 pounds and I'm going to work out every day. And, you know, for me, the baby step has been turning my phone on do not disturb at night. I mean, it's a little baby step but like i used to sleep with it on all night you know god forbid i missed something that someone needed me and now i you know by 10 o'clock at night i put it on do not disturb and so now if i want to see what's there i'll go and look but it's not pinging which is i don't care who you are if that damn thing is buzzing your mind is thinking what is it and it's hard to relax so i just try to Take baby steps for myself and not build <laughs> goals that are too audacious that I'm never going to meet and then just be disappointed and drop it.
1: If you could remove something from the ad tech and advertising industry that would make it less toxic, what would it be?
0: Well, I think I think social media has just you know I I don't think it's about removing it. I think we've just got to rethink some of this stuff and I don't know where it's going. But you know, um, specific to the
1: advertising industry or in general?
0: No, okay, I'm 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 talking more general. But let's talk about the advert. Let's just talk about LinkedIn and just some of the ways it's it's gotten better, but it's also gotten worse. And you know, people that I I don't know one specific technology. I would say we have to get rid of. I think it's a, a change in mindset, probably more than anything else. But yeah, but again,
1: LinkedIn has become more like Facebook over the last few years. I mean, I, I yeah. finally figured it out, I think the last few months. But honestly, I don't want to see, no offense, I don't want to see you, Ted, in a jacuzzi on LinkedIn. And that's what I feel like a lot of what I'm getting, not you specifically, but I'm getting, you know, the people who feel well, that they want to share their whole life now to me In a professional
0: setting, I I, I have a different take on that. I think that's my platform. I can do whatever I want with it. Don't follow me if you're not interested in seeing what I'm sharing. Uh, what, What bothers me is just about how it's become such a junk mail. It's more the outreach and the emails and the tools they're giving all these companies to reach us and ping us, you know, whereas I'd rather see more about that. And then we can you can all train your social media i mean those the algorithms are totally trainable you go to see who you want to see you knock out who you don't want to see you stop watching things it's the ads that have made it more more difficult and the and the tools that allow people to do mass outreach and customize it to make it look like it's personalized for you but anybody sitting at this table here knows that it's all that it's bullshit and it's not personalized um So, you know, and, and I think also it's important to encourage people. I like to, I think it's important. I want to know there's a lot of people on LinkedIn that, that I don't have, that aren't on Facebook or I don't see any place else. I love to hear about their families because it gives me the ability to connect that much more with them again. If they wanna share it with me, I don't proactively say, how come you're not posting about your family? Or how come you're not posting about what you did in the weekend? Or look, uh, my blog is called Straight Talk. It's TedRubin.com, but most people don't realize it has a name. So yeah, I'm a little bit more outright and open than others. I'm very political on LinkedIn. If it's something that I think is really important that I'm passionate about, whether it's now it's Israel and anti-Semitism or it's it's anti-authoritarianism, I'm gonna post about that because I want companies and executives to hear what's it what, what I'm thinking and they don't have to agree with me I'm not gonna call them out if they b- write a comment that doesn't agree but I, I want them to know how I feel and I want to rally like-minded people I'm not trying to convince you to believe in what I'm doing I'm trying to get people like Nick who I know might see what I'm doing to say oh my god that is important let's talk about
1: it. Do is, is you feel that having a purpose in your LinkedIn is
0: important? um i think it's all about you personally and what you want to accomplish but yeah i do but that's it but that's the advice i would give to somebody it's not something i would require of my employees but I also believe that the best way to, to build your company is to have all your employees be writing about and sharing about if they love it. So, therefore, it also encourages you to make sure, like Nick, that your employees are happy because then they're going to share more about your company. And what better voice than the people who are actually doing the work every day?
2: Yeah, exactly. I think I, I think the one thing I'd want to change in the tech industry or any tech industry is that hustle culture mentality and mindset, <laughs> uh, working 100 100- Twenty hours or whatever the hours are that you need to succeed. I think that's bullshit. Um, I think you just want performance, right? And you want performance from people. And you know you don't need to work these insane hours uh, to get the best out of people. And, and I think it's you know it's investing in people. It's not ripping you know the heart and soul out of companies mm-hmm. like what did to Twitter. I just completely just gutted it, shredded it, and you know, to it. So. Um, I think I think hus- the hustle culture is I think detrimental to mm. I think uh, tech companies and the tech community and I wish they could you know just like get rid of that and focus more on investing in people and helping them grow and that will build better companies in the end. Yeah, going back to Lana, having, having a purpose. Do you think yep. that's important? Is that good for one's mental health?
3: Uh, purpose or you stand up for something else i'm always going to remember a sarah faye over an elon musk because uh, she when she picks up the phone um and she spends time with you and she mentors you it's it's not for anything except for the purpose uh of passing it forward and i would you know i'm a capitalist Sure, but I would take a you know an iota of the income to be that for the teams that I've been helping to raise over the years because uh, I, I think we get to do this once and um, I want to do it the right way and be kind to people and um, have them do the same. And our industry, look at us—we've known each other for so long. Why would why would I want to be overly aggressive or do something um, negative to you know hurt anybody? I, I, I remember what a year and a half ago we lost a reporter in the industry, and you know she took her life. Yeah. It was um, super, super sad. And I, for I still just wonder: is there something about our industry that worked somebody so hard that that was, you know, it, it just breaks my heart. So, I, yeah, I think I, aggressiveness I, could easily go away.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really a, a good point. And one one thing it reminds me of is, like, I think sometimes people in this industry are transactional. And, you know, it's all about the transaction, getting the deal done, getting the partnership done, and then just moving on, getting the I.O. and then just moving on uh, and not building real relationships. I mean, I think the four, of you know, the four of us could always work on something, always trust each other, because we've known each other for so long and it hasn't been a transaction. It's It's been about a relationship that, that we've had over the years. And so, um, you know, I, I hope that the industry can, um, get to that place where they're building more relationships and less transactions.
3: That'll be the best lesson that we ever teach anyone.
1: Yep. Before we go, if you could send yourself a time-traveling text message to when you started in this industry and how you should actually have a life-work balance, what would you send yourself?
0: A life-work balance. <laughs> <laughs> actually focus um, on, actually do it, yeah. So you're Uh, asking specific to the light work life balance, not just that general message going forward. I mean, look, look, it's what we're all told when we're young, and we don't listen to people who are more our age. And we try to share that wisdom now is that it goes so damn fast. I mean, my biggest thing is I see dads and and I, and I say mostly dads just because I'm a, I'm a dad. I mean, I, I've said it to moms as well, but sometimes they don't take it as well because I'm not one of them. But whenever I see dads with little kids and I see them, I see the frustration level building because we've all had those tough times, especially traveling. I look at them and go, dude, suck it up. It's going to go way too fast and you're going to miss it. And, and just in, enjoy the downs, whatever, just like the time, I'd give anything, anything to have more of that time, even if my kids were crying, just to be with them. So, you know, and again, being a guy that's had to fight to keep my doors in my life and not having a lot of success with it right now, um, maybe I overcompensate in that direction. But that's what I try to share the most, and I guess it goes to this whole work-life balance. Like, spend that time with your family. I mean, it. it I, I have this this me I share a lot, which is my daughter and I. I got when my daughter was 16, I, I took her to Costa Rica and we learned how to surf. And you know, the thing on it is like, don't don't wait. Don't you know? Don't wait for don't wait for the right time or the perfect thing. Do it now because youth passes way too fast, and, and those times of our lives go too fast.
2: Yeah, I agree. I would, I'd probably just send myself
0: uh,
2: a bunch of pictures of my kids when they were, when they were little, because I didn't see them much, to be honest right. with you, and um, that would certainly snap me out of it. I mean, fortunately, I, I have a, uh, a nine-year-old right now, so <laughs> take her to the bus. You know, I got to p- actually pick her up from the bus in about five minutes. So, uh, that that would be a good reminder of my, you know, my three kids who are a little bit older. Um, yeah, I they were young, so
3: and that's because yeah. I- yeah same same i've got the same picture different child that ted has on my phone right
0: <laughs> people people come into my house that don't know me and they're like oh my god your house is like a shrine because i i can't get rid of i have the photos everywhere from all different stages they're all over the walls and again people that know me totally get it people that don't sometimes are a little bit like holy shit but you know that's that that's what I want to hold on to. Lana, what would
1: you send yourself?
3: I I don't think I could say it better than either of these guys <laughs> said it. Uh, the time goes really quickly. Uh, and just lean on the teams maybe. Maybe I was a little too hard on myself. I had two experiences over the course of my career. Once when I had a double mastectomy and once uh, when my mother had cancer and Uh, those were the two times I really, you know, I'm used to, um, helping raise the teams and those were two times that I counted on my teams more than I could tell you and man, were they there for me and it, they were very, very special times. And they were the times in my career because it was the reverse role for me when I learned the most and I appreciated the most, um, but it wasn't easy for me, especially the first time to, to step back, uh, and take the time off that I needed to, to heal.
0: Oh, and the other thing Mm -hmm. I forgot to mention is when you meet Nick, make sure to get a job at Digiday. That was my biggest ball drop.
3: (laughs) My other advice is never to race him on a bike, by the way. (laughs) You'll lose a hundred. Thank you
1: everyone for your insight and your discussion. Um, I'm going to stop now.
0: Jobs in AdTech. Are you looking for a new role in the industry? Head over to jobsinadtech.com today. Employers attract top talent for as little as £50 pounds per open job role.
3: And that's all, folks.
1: Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform or YouTube.